Coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California, I'm Karen. I'm Katie. I'm Anne. And this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. Okay, so what did we read this month, Karen? We read The Vanishing Half, a novel by Britt Bennett. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give us a little synopsis first, and then we can dive in with our discussion. Cool. The Veen's twin sisters will always be identical, but after growing up together in a small southern black community and running away at age 16, it's not just the shape of their daily lives that is different as adults. It's everything. Their families, their communities, their racial identities. Many years later, one sister lives with her black daughter in the same southern town she once tried to escape. The other secretly passes for white, and her white husband knows nothing of her past. Still, even separated by so many miles and just as many lies, the fate of the twins remains intertwined. What will happen to the next generation when their own daughter's storylines intersect? Weaving together multiple strands and generations of this family from the deep south to California, from the 1950s to the 1990s, Britt Bennett produces a story that is at once a riveting emotional family story and a brilliant exploration of the American history of passing. Looking well beyond the issues of race, The Vanishing Half considers the lasting influence of the past as it shapes a person's decisions, desires, and expectations, and explores some of the multiple reasons and realms in which people sometimes feel pulled to live as something other than their origins. So first, let's talk about what the title means in the con. Well, before that, initial thoughts, feelings. <laughs> what did you think? It was a riveting story. I thought it was fine. I I wasn't that enamored with it. Um, I enjoyed most of it. I didn't find it to be that riveting personally um i didn't feel i felt like it was relatively predictable once you know you sort of got into it you could see where it was going and then the i mean there wasn't any like twist or anything which i know it's not that kind of novel Mm -hmm. but the end was i felt was rather lackluster um yeah i thought it was fine i didn't love it but you know i might be alone in that i can get more into it too but Mm-hmm. Initially, that's those are my initial thoughts. Those are my feelings. I thought it was an interesting window into people's lives. Like uh-huh. I can, I can mm-hmm. hear, I can hear your critiques of it too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, those yeah. things are definitely present. Um, like the predictability, though, is like a brain itch. You know, like that's how I want it to finish. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's okay. The scratch, the itch is scratched. Sure. Um, but there was like as much to relate to actually as there as this was a strange course of events in people's lives. Too. Mm-hmm. How about you, Karen? I think sometimes I lost track of the time frames, but I do like the the when it says intertwining it, like their name is Veens, but I always want to say vines. And sometimes their stories are like vines that go out and come back in. Um I liked the, you got the, a sense of the different generations, but not right away. It didn't, it gave, it starts with a little bit of the history of the town that they grew up in. And, and it, you would think that 
um, well, let me just start off. The story starts off with Desiree returning home to Mallard, Louisiana, after running away at age 16 with her twin sister, Stella. Um, that's not really where I wanted to start. Okay. Uh, I was really, I, I, I like the teeny bit of backstory about Mallard itself, mm-hmm. the town itself. It start the town that they live in is so, so small that it never makes it onto a map. And eventually it gets wiped off the map and, and just sucked into neighboring city, little towns when, when uh, map lines are redrawn because they just, uh, it's just, it, it's the town that they grow up in is, was founded by light skinned blacks after reconstruction, the Recon- reconstruction era, where if you were, lighter you didn't really fit in with a black community but you and i felt like it kind of carried a little bit of its own um its own racial trauma from you know um what's the word where lighter was more preferred rather Mm -hmm. than being comfortable in their own skin and and seeing value in the whole person regardless of the the shade yeah um so these twins are the daughters of um they come from a lineage of of the founding fathers of this tiny little town but when you when you meet them they are 16 and their mom is working multiple jobs for various reasons and um some tra- trauma happens in their life that we'll touch on in a little bit but what about the titles the it says the the title me what the title means in the context of the story. Um, what do you think? What do you think that means? <laughs> well, I see you mean, you see that there's a lot of symmetry throughout the whole storytelling. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, they, each girl, Kennedy and Jude are like the opposite halves that their mothers are separated mm-hmm. from. Right. Um, so there's a symmetry in them balancing each other's personalities. Um, there was another like moment of symmetry where nobody saw them leave mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the beginning and then nobody um, saw them reunite. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I like yeah. that symmetry. Um, but I mean, there's, there's constant, your other half is severed from you or, or there's some reason to be, um, a boundary between mm-hmm. relationships. So you she keeps repeating in everyone's life. I also saw that not just between um, the sisters, the sisters, but also between husband and wife. Yep. You know, their, their father was taken from, from yep. them in a very tragic way that they witnessed as children. Mm-hmm. The um, one of the daughters, she, she leaves her husband who is abusive. So that half of her, of her partnership she had to leave behind she needed to vent she was the vanishing half of that for her own safety well, the promise of the good man to keep to stand by her and the good husband vanished every time his personality changed oh so yeah you could yeah. accuse him of vanishing and then even i think um stella she vanishes by in her own marriage by not being who she was mm-hmm. and now she's and she the work that she has to go through to keep passing mm-hmm. constantly separates her and keeps her out of community with 
with other people like her. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of symmetry. There were times where I thought where the story could have picked up and then other times where it's like, Oh no, she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we talked about, so we, I started to talk about when Desiree, that's the, the, one of the twins, she comes back. Um, but we talked about the town in many ways, the town is another character to the story. Let's talk about this and the impact of the town on both the twins and Desiree's daughter, Jude. Yeah, so the town is a place where lighter-skinned people can, you know, come together and feel safe and, you know, make their own place, right? And the girls leave because, you know, they feel trapped there in this small town and the terrible thing that happens to their father and... You know, so they escaped to, I think, New Orleans first. Mm-hmm. And Jude, who is Desiree's daughter, is born to a um, to a much darker man than uh, her mother, right? So Jude is much more darker skinned than anybody else in the town. And initially they don't live there, right? Desiree mm-hmm. comes back mm-hmm. and brings with her this very, very dark baby or child. I think she's maybe seven or eight at that point mm-hmm. or something. She's a little girl. Yeah. yeah. And the town doesn't like it or her or feels strange having her there with him, like with them. So she feels alienated because she's the only one like her who lives there. Right. Like she's, there's, there's nobody else like her. So I can imagine how lonely that would feel. And also yeah. how much of a spectacle you would feel. Right. Constantly. Mm-hmm. And any thoughts? Um, no. Okay. This is dangerous ground, too. I mean, yeah. And so, that's, that's yeah. it. <laughs> I, th- I will I, say this, another, not problem, because it's my problem, it's not the book's problem, is that I, I don't have anything to relate to in this story. But I enjoyed learning about, you know, another person's life, right? But and, you know, I learn things from reading other people's experiences that I don't, you know, relate to personally. And that's obviously a thing that, you know, you can do in literature very easily. I mean, we just read a book about a Greek goddess. I'm like, I'm not a Greek goddess. I can't relate to you. I'm also not a mother, you know, so I can't relate to that aspect of the story. But it didn't mean as much to me as I think it could to somebody who related to these characters more. So... I think that's part of why I wasn't super drawn into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can relate to like the family aspect of it because that's sort yeah. of universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, their experiences are much different than mine, but sisterhood, mothers and daughters, all that, you know, all those tricky things, you know, I can relate to those. But uh, I think that was one of the things that kept me from getting too drawn into mm-hmm. the book is that I'm I don't I don't relate to these experiences. Yeah, like then that's what I said earlier. Is like this mm-hmm. is a very interesting window into yeah a way of life that like choices in life that I'm not faced with. True, right. So how I connected with it was it made me kind of explore my own childhood a little bit because being a person of mixed race during this time period, mm-hmm. you know, as I guess the girls would it not not the 50s but the 60s going into the 70s and being told i mean i was raised by a white mother in to be considered white and i remember 
on when you're supposed to fill out the census and when you're supposed to fill out stuff for school, even in like uh, junior high and elementary school, you know, they ask you, what race are you? And I was always that feeling of confusion because mm-hmm. you only, they only let you choose one and they don't say white, they say Caucasian and learning what does Caucasian mean as a child? Like, what is that? I don't know people who say I'm Caucasian, <laughs> you know, and not being allowed to answer, put more than one, mm-hmm. you have to choose. And so that, and I felt I like, well, that's kind of what they're having to do there. The attitude of the town was that eventually the color would be bred out of them. Because, which is, which is carrying its own trauma. And yet, but yet they didn't pretend to not be black. No, no. Like they wanted to turn their skin, like to drive the color of their skin in a certain direction, but not. But not deny their blackness. Without, except yes and no, because the way they treated Jude, the way they stared at her. But I feel like that's them carrying the generational trauma that they were taught yeah to th- it's just they are thinking the same way that they were taught to think of course. because think- they see who gets benefit in this world yeah the lighter you are the more benefit you have so therefore why wouldn't you try to have that and it's so i'm with the with the more modern the more recent discussion of of melanie and listening to melanated voices about their experiences i think it's really interesting um, anyway, so I, I, I don't relate to the, that entirely because I kind of walked in a little bit in both worlds, but mostly in the white world because that's how my mother raised me. Mm-hmm. But I do remember some of that connection of I, my mother o- over time, you know, I, I had this tan that never went away and <laughs> cause I was a lot, I was darker when I was younger and as my skin's thinned out, it's lightened up, but um, my mother just told me, oh, that's just your summer tan lasting all year long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was a kid. I believed it. So here you are experiencing a lie that um, Stella constructed for herself with purpose. Yeah. That your mother was constructing for you. So that I would feel more comfortable, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. She didn't or she would feel com- more comfortable. She would, yeah, yeah, more likely she would feel more comfortable. And it, I was a very question-filled child and so it was meant also to stop the questions <laughs> oh like kennedy <laughs> yeah i mean can we talk about the least least favorite character in the book yeah <laughs> her life is so so sad yeah let's talk take a moment the, uh, oh, so so sad i mean it's sad it, because she she does a, nothing with her yeah, life yeah like she's a she a had every privilege every chance and she does nothing with it She's like when I so Kennedy is the cousin. So it, so daughter Jude Stella. Jude is Desiree's daughter, and Kennedy is Estella Estella for short. Her daughter, and she grew up being in a very white, blonde hair, blue eyed, in a nice neighborhood. When she crashed her Camaro, she convinced Daddy to buy her another because she's she's got to drive. She still has to get herself to school, right? <laughs> it's, and um, you guys wanted to talk a little bit about. So what do you, what did you think? You said she's the least oh, favorite. Oh, I hate her. Yeah, <laughs> I hate her. Um, it's the tell this, us more. And this is a moment of like where I relate. So the like insanity that Jude would end up 
in the same town, in the same place, mm-hmm. at the same moment as her estranged aunt and cousin has happened in my family. Like my great grandfather divorced my great grandmother, who was a horrible human being, <laughs> and left my grandfather behind. And he was raised by his mother and great grand and, and grandmother. And then um, he ends up in Santa Clarita, California, or I'm sorry, my mother, child of this abandoned child, ends up in Santa Clarita. And there in the same town is her cousin born of this separate family mm. that my great grandfather had. Right Crazy. there. Right there. From in the Minnesota. Same town. In, yeah. That from another state. California. In, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. So we're not talking about like California to California. They were like in a whole other part of the United States yeah, they and they ended Minnesota. up in the yeah. same town not knowing each other. This story starts in Minnesota and mm-hmm. ends in Santa Clarita. Wow. And the other family member does not want to be involved in they, they don't want to our lines to mix and know each other well so, somebody better move it's not gonna be you so well, i mean i moved <laughs> yeah. i don't know that's, that's true but that's yeah true. it's big enough anyway they and they do not socialize but i i've had that experience in my family so that's where i was like oh yeah okay i was gonna say that would never happen <laughs> no totally realistic that's, that's crazy and completely insane right yeah but there it is i've seen that happen so yeah, i relate wow. to that like fracture of a family Coming, you you end up in the same place at the same time. Right, it's insane. You think it's a literary device, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it happened in my family, and and that fracture is never going to be healed. And, right, no. and you know, whatever, who cares? I, those are strangers to me. <laughs> we had a similar thing, but not trauma, not not negative. Uh. It happened. So, um, our youngest niece, my sister in law's youngest daughter, has her own children, and. They live in Santa Clarita, um, but they haven't been out to see my mom-in-law, their, their grandmother or and the great grandkids have not seen, have, I don't know that they don't really know my mom-in-law because they were babies when the one time that they met. So they, my, my mother-in-law and my husband decided that they're going to go to the beach on the Friday before (laughs) 4th of July. And we'd like to go up to Carpinteria, Right. But they got a little bit of a later start, so they ended up going to a different part of the beach than they normally go to. Um, And my youngest niece, who has never been to that beach ever, it was the first time ever, happened to be going with, like, having a mommy and me day with her friend. And they happened to be in the same, not just at the same part of the beach, but two blankets away. (laughs) And my mother-in-law goes, hey... I, I think I, I think that's that's Charlie's kids, and and because we've seen them on Instagram and mm-hmm. we, and we're like that is and they look over at the same time, and there they are. Huh. Nice. And it's not a day that my husband and my mother-in-law would ever normally go to. It's not the same part of the beach, and it's the first and only time that my that our youngest niece has ever even been to that beach. Wow. And here they were and they spent some time together. Yeah. So that was but that was a pleasant visit. You get magnetized to your people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Things just happen. Speaking of characters and things that just happen. <laughs> uh, Desiree and Stella's father is murdered by white men in a horrific crime that sees no justice. I mean they beat him to a bloody pulp and leave him to die in front of him, or do they string him up? They did, he's lynched twice. He's lynched 
he's lynched. And when he didn't die and he was in the hospital, the white man barge into the hospital to finish the job. Mm -hmm. I mean, but the first part of it, the twin girls see it. Mm -hmm. They're kids. I mean, and they're like shaking and they've got their hands over each other's mouths so that they're not noticed. And it impacts the sisters in different ways. Desiree seems to bury it, but Stella is very traumatized. Why do you think Stella made such a significant decision to leave behind everything and deny a huge part of who she is? Well, she, so that question is linking those two events, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't really thought of linking them. She has the nightmares for a long time, but it's interesting because her daughter also has nightmares and that may just be a genetic thing. Yeah. But I don't know how conscious her decision was because I think she, she, I mean, she consciously went for this job at like a law office or wherever it was Mm -hmm. when they didn't realize that she was black. She didn't correct them, Mm -hmm. but I don't think she lied and said she was white initially. I think that people assumed that she was, so she went with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when she had the opportunity, she started dating, you know, her boss essentially and he didn't recognize anything. I don't think it was a conscious effort on her part to be like, I'm going to pretend like I'm a white person. I think that she noticed what was happening and thought, I'm not going to stop it. You know, she be- she's benefiting from it. And she's, you know, realizing that the things that she is accessing are different from what she, you know, is normally able to. So I don't know how conscious that decision was for her until it started happening to her. Not on her own. But that was not the first time she pretended to be white. She, she, no, so she, she tried that several, she tried it two times, right? While Mm -hmm. she lived in Mallard. But like, um, if we're linking this idea that her father's violent death is the cause of her choice to step into whiteness, um, so she's going towards the thing that is dangerous and terrifying to her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's putting herself in the middle of it, seeking safety and security. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I could see that. Um, Or at some point she describes it as freedom, Mm -hmm. that she feels free as living as a white person. Um, In a way that her father wasn't maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, he just tried to start his own business. Right. Yeah. So, like, supposedly the cause of his death was he enraged the white guys who he was underbidding and doing a better job, uh-huh. and they were filled with rage and came and killed him for that. Yeah. So he, you're right. He had no freedom to just exercise, you know. Right. His, yeah. Earning a living. Mm-hmm. Um. So she puts herself in the thing she's afraid of to be free of it. I don't know. I think, but she's never not afraid because she sleeps with the bat forever. Yeah. I almost feel like she not only equates that with freedom, but like you said, security. And that being, she equates blackness with not being secure because of what the violence had that happened to her father, to not being able, the frustration of not being able to get a job as soon as she because she tried to get a job in other places before she got that one job. Um, be, but as soon as she put black down, they just kind of didn't even look at her, mm-hmm. at her application and basically said, you need not apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to some extent, uh, Desiree also 
got that. I mean, she had, I like that, that she had been, what was the job that she was? Uh, she read, she learned to read fingerprints mm-hmm. um, for the federal government. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, even at, with that experience, she, when she, she couldn't get a job. Yeah. In her you hometown. Know, in her hometown. Right. Yeah. So when she, she, she's not specifically in her hometown, but in her home area. Cause yeah, she goes true. to the next real city over and they say no. Right. She's perfect. She's absolutely qualified mm-hmm. and perfect at it. And then he sees her race or no, he doesn't even see her race. Actually. He sees where she's from. Oh yeah. He sees her address and that's when he says, no, no, thank you. Bye. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the fact that when Stella takes on the new identity as a white woman, that her past doesn't leave her. What do you think about the idea that no matter how far away home is, it never leaves you? I mean, it's like the old saying is like, wherever you go, there you are. Right. So you can run away and do whatever you want to try and get away from your past or whatever you think is following you. But you're still going to carry it with you. The experience is with you wherever you go, you know, so you can put as much distance between yourself as you want. But her problem, her, the thing she's scared of is that she is a black person and she's afraid that people are going to find that out about herself. California is probably a, at this time, less dangerous place to be than the deep South. Mm-hmm. but it's still not safe. Yeah. So when faced with the possibility of a black couple moving into her all white neighborhood, she's absolutely terrified that she's going to be found out. Like they're going to know that she is passing for as a white person. And so regardless of wherever she is in, I can't remember her. Mm, it's like a Mississippi. Oh, Louisiana, 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 mm-hmm. um, Louisiana or California. The problem is still there. You were going to say something, Anne? I was just going to say when they're starting that part of the book, uh, I wasn't, you didn't know that, you didn't know where they were going, right? So I'm like, is this just going to be a passing demonstration of her, right? you know, just keeping arm's distance from what she's escaping? And then I'm like, so it's Brentwood at this time. I mean, that's the Simpsons moving in. That's OJ Simpson and his first wife moving into Brentwood. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not where the book went. No, No. but that would have been this portion of the book, weird moment, this portion of the book that talks about Stella and her neighborhood and redlining and keeping black people out of their neighborhood. There was, during during the pandemic there was that series did you guys see it it was kind of like a horror film series um it was about a black family that moved into it was um the husband got a job in aeronautics or aerospace so i'm using engineer and they moved from the south to california they moved into this really nice neighborhood where all the white neighbors were just absolutely horrid to them i mean burning stuff on their lawns. I mean, just nasty, horrible to them based on what really happened here in California, in Southern California. And so much of this just was like, it's like, I'm watching that TV series that she's willing to go near the SC campus because on one side of the freeway is SC and it's Mm -hmm. gilded and beautiful and whatever, but right literally the same street, you go under the freeway and it's exactly what she 
wants to escape. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, you're willing to go by SC. Okay, interesting. You just stay on yeah. one side of the campus, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but when this, when, when the, when the woman and her family come into the neighborhood, she's like a moth to the flame. She really can't mm-hmm. stay away. Yeah. She tries, but then she bakes this. What did they call it? A lame ass cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or how did how did That's what was it just a lumpy lopsided lopsided i've never seen such a lopsided lopsided but, uh cake it's like oh i don't know it 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 reminded oh. me so much of the telling of that that show that was just on last year oh, so okay. i wish i gotta figure out yeah, the name of it but yeah um i'm just remember because i listened to the last hour and a half or so this morning and Kennedy is talking about a memory of her mom making the cake. Mm-hmm. And I did not connect until right now that, that it was that the same is one. That, oh. Cause like, why is she making a cake? She never makes cakes. And yeah. then she's like peppering her with all these questions. Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was the same one day she ever baked a cake. Yeah. <laughs> the one time. That's not where you're from. Well, that, that was a good moment. Like, keep, keep talking while I, while I figure out the name of that series. Hold on. When Kennedy calls her mom out as a little girl, like, that's you're not from Something with Appaloosa. You you're, once, yeah. Because yeah. she told her once when she was, like, you know, four or five or whatever. Yeah, she's like, think, well, you're never going to remember. So yep. that was, like, a wicked moment of, like, here, lick the spoon. Yes. I, I'm, I'm straight out lying to you. Yeah. And... There is that whole, like, aspect of it where Kennedy knows her mom's a liar. Yeah. And knows pretty much her whole life that her mom is lying to her. Mm-hmm. And Stella knows that Kennedy knows that she's lying to her, you know? Yeah. Well, the effect of her mother's gaze upon her. Mm-hmm. Them. Oh, okay. I saw that advertised. Yeah. It was recommended for me many it times. It explores the terror of um, in America, kicks off the season about a black family that moves into a white neighborhood in the 1950s. Mm. Um, it's from, I guess it was on Amazon Prime. Um, it is just, wow. It's really, I think it's, it's an, a, is it a Bloomhouse production? Probably, probably. Um, but them, it's so much of this story reads um, if this portion, Stella's portion, of the, reads like it's just out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the neighbors treat her, the catty neighbors. I mean, I mean, but here's this brilliant, really smart woman who, when you when you meet her in her life in California, she's she waits for her child to go to school, pours some vodka in her cup, hoping that the that the housekeeper thinks it's water while she floats around in the pool. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's not putting her it's her life to her potential either. Um, and maybe some of that came, maybe she lost some of that when her mom pulled them out of school so that they could start working and helping with with expenses. But OK, so another question. Um, I think um, yeah. it's interesting that Loretta gets her back on the right path. Mm-hmm. Like because she doesn't waste her whole life. She, no, she sure, doesn't. You know, and she's actually still relatively young as we true get to the end of the book. She's uh-huh. probably only maybe fifty, maybe. Oh, you think that's young? Well, uh, now that I'm in now. my forties, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems the older you are, the younger that yeah, <laughs> the younger that but, group. But still, yeah. like I mean, fifty in 1988 or whatever is not. 50 now honestly True. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, no, she's still young. <laughs> so there are questions here about her Stella's relationship with Blake, but Blake doesn't really interest me. So, but if you guys have interesting thoughts about Blake, you want to share? Well, here's a moment. I to... mostly like the reader's um, voicing of most characters, except Blake. Yeah. It, I mean, she was doing something back east, but it was not. Yeah, it was a it little was hard. Not to... Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that strange. was an, kind of annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, Blake's not that interesting either. I mean, he's a fine token for what he. Because, like, represents. he does notice that his, he's, like, it's kind of shameful how mean my wife is about black people. He's very, and he's pretty kind. Like, I, yeah. I don't think she's afraid, like, if he found out, as a, as the reader, I was sort of reading into it that if he did find out, I mean, he would feel betrayed that she had lied to him. But yeah. it's not like that would be a thing that upset him initially. If she had told him that she was black, I don't think that would have, you know, it wasn't him. It wasn't the blackness that would bother him, but the fact she lied about it. Yeah, I... Don't think she can ever tell him. I don't well, think no, that's not much at depth that of, point. No. no, but no. I mean, like at any point, because it would still affect his place in business. Yeah, he's still he's, about the show. Yeah. yeah, and he, her being of a poor background was as far as like he was willing to push to risk. his mother's edges. You know, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he would be okay with it as long as she just kept pretending and be quiet about it. Is Maybe. my feeling. Maybe. But she's better off not... I mean, she never gives him that chance. No. So Blake is only as developed as Stella allows us to see him, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Even... Because there is a little bit of time in his head, isn't there? Not that I can recall. No. Okay. But mm -hmm. I also just might not remember. He's just not that interesting a character. I didn't care enough about him to think about him. Um, other than he just... He mildly affects things in her life but not by much i mean he's whatever she wants he's gives it yeah, to so her i think he extremely affects affects her life because he is the tool to her privilege yeah well, that's true but but as a character he's rather one-dimensional yeah yeah so what the tool is really useful though. what do you think about the relationship relationship between desiree and early I liked early. I love it. Yeah, I like their relationship. Yeah, he, that was part of the book it's that so I really sincere. did enjoy listening to. Was so early talk about early about a little bit and how much I I enjoy listening to how much early seemed to really love his family. You mm -hmm. know his his girlfriend. I mean, they never got married, but mm -hmm. his not daughter, but sort of daughter. And um, yeah, I liked it. I thought that that was pretty genuine. Yeah, I like uh, so early is um a bounty hunter mm -hmm. who is set to find Desiree when she escapes Sam, her mm -hmm. first husband, her abusive husband. Yeah. And so she, he had just been thinking of her because yeah. he knew her from childhood. Well, he'd just been thinking about her. Like the way I remember it in the book mm -hmm. is like the chronology is he was happened to be musing about her. He meets his, boss yeah. i don't the know guy, the guy who gives him freelance his, his assignment. Freelance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so and there is this picture of, of the girl he'd just been thinking yeah of. yeah he's i love the way it says in the book like it was as if he had conjured her mm -hmm. and yeah. there she is um which i also love those moments in life where like you're thinking of somebody you haven't seen in 10 years and something about them tangible yes. comes up yeah um so 
he gets there, he sees the bruise on her neck. He says, I'm sure in his head, he says, I'm letting this girl go. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. And now he knows where she is. So mm-hmm. now he can reunite with her and have the love affair that they mm-hmm. were denied as children because he, because he's a very, like, I don't know how to describe it. He's, He's a dark-skinned person. Yeah. Yeah. He is darker-skinned. Not uh, as dark as her husband, Sam. Yeah. but She went to 11 with Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, actually, she did the same thing with, with Early as she did with Sam, which yeah. is she went to the person showing her interest yeah. uh-huh. as a unique, singular person, which both the twins seek is their singularity um and they're hungry or at least desiree i think is hungry for that singularity as much as she misses her sister early just is a good guy Mm -hmm. and so her trust in his interest in her is not misplaced um and they had a little flirtation when they were children um but mom shooed him away um adele shoes him away and then he moves on because their family i love what she goes there's nobody a court in age here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Got no no girls a court in age here. Yeah. Move along, move along. Did uh, you notice in some respects, um, Jude parallels her mother in that only who she connects with is not a kind person. Jude? Yeah, when Jude is in school later on. Oh yeah, she has she's con- hungry for that. She's also hungry too. for that kind of yeah. attention, yeah. but she ends up connecting see on the high on the down low with um who is is it the mayor's son or some someone he's just a boy he's just a boy from town from school he's 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 a popular boy yeah he's her bully publicly her bully and then privately her molester right (laughs) i mean they're they're peers so i can't really put it that way but yeah he's definitely like coercing her into a sexual relationship for the price of his attention Mm -hmm. until early puts a stop to it which i'm really glad for early um, but I, I like Desiree and Early's relationship that no matter where they go after they reconnect, they're still like, they're still interested in each other. Yeah. You know? To the to the point, but it's interesting because she, well, I'll, I'll hold off on that thought. Um, he cares so much for her that eventually as he gets older, he gives up his job to take care of her mother. Mm-hmm. I love that. Who, yeah. who is um, suffering from dementia and he is the kindest, most wonderful soul to her. He takes her out fishing. And when she's like, I got to get, where's, I got to do this for, for Desi. Desi's, Desi's at work. Oh, I got to get to work. Oh, don't you remember you got the day off? <laughs> Oh, the whole day? Yeah, that was sweet. He's um, so kind. He's one of my favorite characters is early. The description of him braiding her hair is so sweet. Yeah, how he enjoyed doing it. Yeah. 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 Was that for... What's the mom's name? I forgot. I I think it's Adele. Adele. I think. Yeah. So he braided Adele's hair? Yeah. No, there's a description. He he wasn't that physically um, present. Demonstrative with jude because every That's time right. he is demonstrative there's note of it like mm-hmm. when she's right. crying she over this him, boy he gave her a hug or whatever yeah. um That's true. no like um he was braiding adele's hair it's part of the caretaking that was described that he <clears throat> saved her from burning down the house and bought him a instant coffee or coffee machine and then she stopped making coffee and he makes it for her now mm-hmm. and all those sweet sweet things so okay. early is lovely early early is worthy 
all the way through from beginning from child to the older gentleman he is just a kind person all the way through i mean there's something about losing your dad that you don't understand male attention mm. I, I made plenty of mistakes in my <laughs> interpretation of boys and men as i grew up um and i know that part of those pitfalls are from losing my dad as a young girl um so that's evident in these girls is they and that's another place where i was able to connect with them is all all these girls who lost their fathers young like like look at the confidence kennedy moves through the world yeah like she, i mean yeah. she never really connects well with men either but that's her thing that's mm-hmm. her selfishness <laughs> right but but we see these hung, hungry young girls mm-hmm. who fall into whomever's granting them attention and like jude we see her have a negative relationship and then we see her have a beautiful relationship but that is luck yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the quality of the men they encountered right um and that is parallel i'd see that parallel in desiree absolutely now that's interesting see i grew up without any kind of father figure whatsoever so i didn't lose a father figure mm-hmm. but i still didn't connect to that longing in the same way because i don't know what i lost what i didn't ha- i didn't well, know I what know i didn't that- because that long, longing for a father is a different set of emotions. I don't mean longing for a father, but male attention. Okay. I don't know that I had it in the same way. Of course, I'm older and I might have forgotten that part of my life. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> you also don't know what's conscious and what's subconscious, you know? True, the... true. So. I mean, everyone wants to be cared for. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, too. So. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Jude a little bit. So Jude is bullied in Mallard and they tore down her confidence, but she gets a scholarship to UCLA and she eventually flourishes. Let's talk about Jude's character development a little bit in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that how er, that one brief little moment of her description of her roommate when she first comes into the dorms and her roommates got stuff all over the walls and all over the place. And she sees Jude with just one little bag. She's like, where's the rest of your stuff? And Jude's like, uh, Oh, I left in storage. Yeah. And, and they both know it's a lie. Do they both know it's a lie? I, 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 she says she knew that when she never asked about it again, that, that they, that they would be good friends, but that's the only mention they have of her roommate. Who's not, crucial to the story but yeah. the, it's the very beginning of of relation of, i kept rem- of a change wondering- in her fr- a change of possibility in friendship i kept wondering about that girl just every once in a while as the story progressed because that's pretty early on it's like the first quarter of the book like because um, when Kennedy's like, you don't have a lot of friends like me. And she's like, white girls? And she's like, no, I mean girlfriends. And I, then I was like, what happened to her roommates? Like, did she really just... I completely forgot that she had one. Yeah, did she just disappear into She had a roommate. The roommate invited her to a party. Yes. Yeah. And that was just the vehicle that made her... That's the bridge that connects her to... Reese. To Reese. Which, that was going to be my name, by the way. Therese Ann. Oh. Well. But then my sister named the dog Teresa. Oh. <laughs> well, my mom was pregnant. So my mom w- went with the Anne and had to find a new middle name. That's funny. It was like, oh, that's my name. Your name's not Indy? You were named Indy. after a dog? <laughs> <laughs> you named the dog Indy. Indy. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Indy. That was funny. 
um i can't remember what did she what did she she got a scholarship to ucla but was that for, for running for track yeah she was a runner a runner uh let's see so there's another question about her and kennedy but i want to put that to the side because we're introduced to reese the love of her life and let's talk about the romance and how they bonded through their traumatic past or even we don't even have to do that let's just talk about june reese yeah um i liked reese um i think his character is there to draw a parallel between him sort of passing in quotes as a male and um stella passing as a white person you know there's two different aspects of it two two fake social constructs gender and race sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um this was one of the parts of the story that i found to be a little frustrating is that I thought that there was a really interesting story there to tell that we never really got below surface level on of Reese's experience. Yeah. Because, I mean, maybe that's a different book. You know, he's a side character, but I felt like we knew more about, like, early as a side character or, mm-hmm. you know, than we ever learned about Reese. And, I, like I said, I think there was more to be said and maybe it got cut out i don't know yeah there was more i think that that would have been really interesting to draw closer comparisons between the two or to just let us know a little bit more about his experience besides the little bit that we got here and there we got a little introduction to him at the beginning where he you know got on a bus and drove across country and shaved his head in the bathroom and meeting you know some bodybuilder who was gonna give him testosterone and of um Desiree's not Desiree Jude's Jude's story yeah in that she's trying to earn money so that he can have his top surgery and his experience with that but I just felt like maybe there was more and that's sort of the problem I also have with Stella is that we never hear anything about the repercussions of anything which is good because it's a happy ending for us that like nothing bad happened to Reese and nothing bad happened to Stella Mm mm-hmm but what do you mean? Well, what did you expect to? What did you expect to happen to Stella? Do you think? Are you thinking like she didn't get found out? Or? Kind of. I was sort of expecting, with the arrival of um, what's her name? Jude. Jude. No. Um, no. Her neighbor. Oh, Loretta. Loretta. Loretta that maybe, she, I think it would have been more motivating or. Yeah, a little bit more exciting if she had been found out or somebody else found out or somebody else knew. I did think that Loretta and her friends would have seen, would have recognized. I have no idea. I don't know. Or if they did, they didn't say anything. She assumed that they would, but they didn't or they didn't say anything. But I felt like they probably would have said something if they did. But also, I have no idea, you know, if if you would or wouldn't recognize yeah, I, I mean, know. like, it's, it's, and that's the interesting thing about this story being examined in the written world, word and not at all uh-huh. in visuals, because we don't know exactly what Stella and Desiree, Desiree look like. I was trying to sort of, I know, like, I was really trying to out, pick, like, an pick. actress I could compare to or something. <laughs> well, I know but who I don't would know. play Jude. Okay. I, I have to look her up. But the girl who played the best friend um, in um, in the HBO thing about vampires. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. 
I I was sort of picturing. I mean, she's like a Meghan Markle kind of deal for the girls because she's an African American woman, but she's very light skinned, right? But then I'm like, well, I I I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I chose Lisa Bonet. Okay, young Lisa Bonet, but with like a like different hair. (laughs) <laughs> okay, the other thing I was thinking Because they never talk about their hair being a challenge. <laughs> no, never. Um, the other thing I was thinking was, like, Zendaya. I thought Zendaya a little bit, but... but Zendaya... Yeah, she's not quite... I don't know. Quite. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm, I, because again, this is dangerous ground. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I, I feel bad that I can't think of any other examples because I know there are plenty. But I'm like, I don't know what that. I don't know what these girls look like, and it would have been easier for me to. Well, and so understand. That, and we <laughs> don't know what it would have looked, what they would have looked like in that time period. Well, there's a movie with the passing with, that examines passing over from like the 1960s, mm. but I think it's like Natalie Wood playing. Oh, sure. the white daughter, Probably. the passing daughter. Like, uh, come on, get yeah. someone who's really. Passing I mean, I remember to play a passing person. I hate that. But that's something. So the question, the thing that you're talking about about mm-hmm. wishing she'd be discovered, yeah, is dealt with by the author. Of saying, it's like, I mean, it's not called this, but she's like, it's a little bit of Schrodinger's cat. Like, you're never going to know about someone who is yeah. successful their whole life passing. That's true. Because then they wouldn't be successful. That's true. Mm. <laughs> and I, it's like I said, it's not that I wanted something bad to happen to Stella or to Reese, but it would have been a more exciting book if something, if some sort of action had happened. You know, that's why I was like sort of complaining at the top was like, there was nothing, there was no like catalyst moment. Like, she goes back home because her daughter, you know, sort of finds her out, you know, mm-hmm. and Stella's like, okay, I'm going to go home and confront Desiree because I think it's Desiree's fault that my daughter knows this and, or it's Jude's fault that my daughter, you know, she like, she's still worried about herself the whole time. So when she goes back to like confront Desiree, what happens? Like nothing. They sit and they chat. And they spend the night together. They're angry together. Yeah. And then they reminisce. But then she still runs away. She tries to run away because she doesn't want... She, she, that's what she does. She runs away from yeah. things. And I, I've sort of pulled us away from our conversation that you started about Reese, but... Well, that's fine. We can come... Because we can always... We can come back to Reese. Well, it is interesting to put gender identity in this big book. Yes. <laughs> because it is- it's, it's big in its own. You know, yeah, I it, love... it, it lightly touches on it, and I wonder. It it makes me wonder during that time period how I guess how people dealt with it. I mean, because I know they they lightly touched on going back to Reese for a moment that well, one like like Desiree often knows when when she when Jude uh, Jude brings uh, Reese home. Uh, what I guess for her grandma's passing or, so, uh-huh. or something like that, or for something like that. Maybe it's before that. I think it was at the end of the book. Oh, towards the end. And she's like, when are you going to give me some grandkids? And there's like, the, you know, there's like the awkward silence because they, or when are you going to get married? Um, and you can't, they are like, well, they can't tell her that until they can legally yeah, they, change they, they his legally birth certificate. Can't. They can't do that without changing a birth certificate. And they can't do that. And even can't, 
it it seems to me it they were together a long time. I feel like they were together like a decade or something before yeah. he got, got the surgery because they had to come to front the, cuz they somehow they go to Chicago and then they're in New York. It she hadn't seen her for 3 years since the um the show closed. The um and the um Midnight Marauders um, was between her her summer after college ended. See, they never explained how they get to the was it Boston or no to the Chicago area? No, they're in Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota, whatever place where there are excellent medical schools. Oh, they went. She went there for medical school. That's see. There's. I do think it was. It was that was in. If from when they see each other in New York, I feel like they say it. They say, say it's it. three years. It, but it did it felt like there was a longer stretch because wait wait, when she when Kennedy well, was the wait, book when, jumps all around timelines. When which Kennedy that's was in New, when Kennedy was in New York, was that after the soap opera? No, it was before That was before the soap opera. Way before the soap opera. Oh, that's yeah. right. She's still doing theater. Yeah. She she decided to give everything up and just do theater. Yeah, her story okay. we jumped far ahead of the end of the book, and I don't think we did that with anybody else's character. Because we knew what her life was like when she was like a middle-aged woman. And she's doing like TV advertisements for like various, you know, products on TV after she had been a soap star. So I think we were like way ahead time-wise from the end of the book. And the book ends with um, their grandmother's funeral because Jude and um, Reese like jump in the lake together, right? And that's like the very end of the book, I think. And how... Maybe that's what. Maybe at that point, that's after the surgery. Then yeah, it has I think to be that, after that's the surgery. To okay. Symbolize he he wouldn't he obviously oh he wouldn't, wouldn't have be in topless yeah shirt off then, before that yeah so it's it it's symbolizing you know that he's no longer feeling like he has to hide who he is you know true <clears throat> okay Rutina Wesley would be Jean. she was in True Blood. And she can do the Louisiana accent. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So now that I'm absolutely. looking at yeah, I don't the, know who that is. You didn't watch I didn't watch True Blood. <laughs> She's been another thing. Are you thing. surprised I didn't watch a thing? <laughs> <laughs> About like, vampires. Yeah. But it's really, Twilight. Is she in Twilight? It's way sexier vampires than <laughs> I, Twilight. I so if you like Twilight, <laughs> you're going to really like True Blood. <laughs> I'm a little I, bit I always jealous. have to write down my my future movie and you book didn't watch things. True. You watched True Blood. I haven't. Oh, no. Oh, I, I am going to because you know I would like vampire it's, stuff, okay. although I don't like Twilight. Romance. I never read Twilight. It just it was it was not a good place Those in are, life, and that was that, that was a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. How dare I scoff at romances? Because more and more I think about that. I read all of the True Blood series. Yeah, <laughs> and I watched the movie, the show. Yeah. Well, uh, I, oh, I would read the books. Yeah, I'm a monster. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> the books are great. They're fun, easy reads. Uh, I want to touch real quickly. Why do you think that the author gave us? a big chunk of older Kennedy's life, but nobody else got that. We didn't find out the great doctor that Stella got to be. All the key characters, only the white girl got to have the... I don't think it's to give her... It actually is reminding me of a literary moment in... um, Maybe it's just how sad and In one of the Bronte books. Um, Yeah, it's kind of maybe to illustrate to us that she doesn't ever evolve. No, she never does. She never evolves. Whereas everybody else is evolving, like yeah. early evolves. Desiree and Stella have their journey still. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wouldn't say that they evolve very much. I do. Really no. looking at that. No. But Jude, for sure. I love how 
you know, Jude's response to to uh, Desiree's uh, saying, "Why aren't Why aren't you guys? Y'all are not going to sleep together." Un, uh, unmarried in my house and she's like yeah what about you and early yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come on mom there's a uh, little bit of <laughs> well so then when i i i settled on R- rutina wesley it was like well why not like like um kennedy the idea of kennedy just got whiter and whiter so like yeah. how about um what's her face with the chin um what's her face with the chin Oh. And now I'm. <laughs> she was in election. Oh, Reese uh, Witherspoon. Thank you. <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama. I yeah. somehow never equated her with her chin. That's interesting. Oh my god, she has such a. I mean, I love her. Uh, ish. Um, Do people talk totally about? Does she know chin. about her chin? Oh, she <laughs> knows about chin? her chin. Does yeah. she know? Does she know about her chin? She has to look at her own face. She I mean, this is a chin. thing that people talk about. <laughs> I feel like in caricatures of her that Probably. they emphasize her chin. Uh, we're not talking about like the the weird character oversized head caricature <laughs> that someone at the fair draws of you <laughs> but with, uh, with, no, with I mean, like, you know if they were gonna do her on robot chicken the doll would have like a serious chin <laughs> yes so. uh so, so like like that that high of a contrast uh, yeah between the two yeah um so yeah. Um, 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 uh, we talked about wife. Stel- oh, I wasn't oh, done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, continue. <laughs> That's fine. Continue. The literary device in one of the Bronte books. Oh, I yeah. think it was um, in Jane Jane Eyre. Um, she's like one. You know, you meet a lot of people in her life. It, it spans her whole life from her little girl to her um, well into her adulthood, and. There's a point where she meets up with some family. Um, she's reunited with some estranged family. And she's like, I'm not going to talk about them again. So here's what came of them. And mm. then she moves on and never mentions them again. So it felt oh. very much like Kennedy. This is all that Kennedy came to. Yes. So let's just wrap it up. It's like at the end of a movie when like like an older movie, like an 80s movie or something, when like you get the like wrap up at the end. It's like where everybody is now. Yeah. And the bully is like, he still works at McDonald's or you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's yeah. a little like, yep, she's still doing what she's doing. Yeah. So why I think you... it was to just give us a, a cap. And why do you Kennedy? think that Kennedy never connected emotionally with anyone beyond what they could serve her? Her, yes, her whole life. Her. her mother and her father taught her that. So, right? Yeah. Her father just gave her anything she wanted. And her mother never connected with her. Yeah, how could you ever learn to connect with anybody if your own mother is... You know that your own mother is constantly lying to you. Yeah. That is the, that's true. That is the nature... And the way she looked at her. My sister had a contentious relationship with both my parents and still has a contentious relationship with my mom. So the um she sent me a picture she took of my parents and i recognized the look they were giving her and i realized how they never looked at me that way Mm. how could you feel loved when your parents look at you that way Mm. Mm. and so like kennedy knows that her mother has to doesn't want her Right. You know, it's not that she doesn't want her, but she doesn't want to be connected to her. Right. Until they finally connect and, you know. So I guess. By mutual lies. 
<laughs> well, no, on the way home from the airport. The, yeah, eventually they back, do. That's true. They get to ca- share each other's secret or something. Yeah, she says, ask me anything on their drive from the airport to home. And, and so you, the one person that finds her out is the one person she was maybe hiding the most from. I don't know. Because Kennedy finds her out. She lays it out all on the table for mm-hmm. her. Like, I don't know. Kennedy is a useless person because her parents ruined her. That was my thought. I'm thinking <laughs> Stella, I don't think Stella really connected with her mother in some respects. Even though they're twins, she and Desiree are so different. And maybe leaving at 16 maybe the trauma of her father consumed so much of her that she didn't connect with her mother. And I feel like she just didn't know how to draw her daughter to her because her, her mother was working all the time. Yeah. Was one of the- and, and the one thing that she loved the most being school, her mom took, tried started to take that away from her. Mm-hmm. So one of saying- them was concerned about leaving their mom behind. Was that Desiree? And we hear it a couple times where she's like, she felt like she was abandoning her mother. And I don't remember which I one think that, that was. must be Desiree. Because yeah. we don't actually hear Stella's point of view until we meet her in California. True. Mm-hmm. So it must I have been I was wondering if we were ever going to meet her. True. True. And in some respects, we didn't, still didn't fully meet her because she only, because of, because of her refusing the black side of her. She, I think she kept denying part of herself, even to herself. Well, yeah. It's like a lot of times for the longest time, I didn't really know what I looked like because I refused to look in the mirror, <laughs> except to see parts here or parts there. So when I started looking at the whole of me, it was like looking at someone I didn't recognize. And I feel like maybe she hides the blackness so much. She's so afraid to see it in herself because if she sees it in herself, other people will see it. Mm-hmm. Kind of the ostrich in the sand. If I don't look at it, maybe no one else will. Mm-hmm. And when, so you don't really know what people, but then that fear of you don't really know what people see because you're not seeing it either. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe that's why she kept Kennedy at a distance because maybe if Kennedy knew her also children, Kennedy was a talkative child Would you know, her mother blurted out the N word at her and then she, Kennedy used it later as a child. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she just thought she was saying any other set swear word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, one more question. Uh, what did you think about the ending? I think we might have started to talk about this a little bit. Were you happy to see Desiree finally leave Mallard? Do we even yes. get that sense? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, was, I, I didn't have a feeling about her leaving Mallard. I didn't either. At that Neither. point, I didn't really... Not that I didn't care... I mean, I kind of didn't care because I wasn't really that connected to the book in general, but it sent, it, it felt that point, a little out of character. And I know she wanted to leave for so long that when she did and she came back, she complained once or twice about how she came back, but then she kind of just settled there. And I knew she had to, you know, take care of her mother and all that. But like, I didn't feel that longing at the end of the book to leave that we had heard from her younger self. So I don't know. I was like, okay. That's good for her. I felt like the story had kind of moved on beyond her when we got into the the daughters and the granddaughters stories so that she really was just on the outskirts of the story. Mm -hmm. So her leaving Mallard wasn't as a, 
I feel like if she'd really, really wanted to leave Mallard, she would have. But she didn't want to. She, but but she after Ju- after Jude was gone, her mother wasn't. There was a time period where her. I th- I feel like when Jude went to college, I don't know that her mother was yet. Yeah, showing. I mean, she was older, so I mean, maybe she just look, felt like she needed. But look, to be she was near. so connected to the diner that people started calling it Stella's, no, even though it was Desiree. Te- Desiree. Desiree sorry, <laughs> Desiree's. Yeah, they started calling it Desiree's, even though it was still mm-hmm. Luke's. Lose, lose, yeah. lose. Luke's Gilmore Girl. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> too many diners. <laughs> um. Anyway, overall, I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it the second time a little bit. Not more though, because mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like I got to ingest and connect with the story, listening to it at one percent at at one speed, the first time, um, especially because it does jump around a lot. Yeah, in different time frames. When I went through the second time, I was like, oh yeah, but that's still just it's more confusing. I really tried hard to pay attention to chapter titles when they were like. Part yes. six, 1968 to 1970. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm horrible at got that. it. Like, yep. I normally am, but I, once I realized that that's what we were doing, jumping around, I was like, oh, wait, no, go back. I that gotta know. That was so startling the first time. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, what happened? Yeah, I'm really invested in Desiree and Early. Yeah. And then, and then bam. Oh. Six years in the okay. future or whatever. Hi, Jude. I didn't even like really Maybe catch your name I have the first no time. Real sense. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's why I have no sense of time. When the years actually happened, because I just skimmed right over those chapter titles. I tried to pay attention as best I could. You know, this is not the first time I've I've not done that and paid and and, and kind of suffered confusion from it. So, <laughs> well, it's a little bit like the, like uh, maybe it's you know in a Russian novel, not learning people's names, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. You're gonna you're gonna be at sea if you don't pay attention to people's names and That's create true. a chart. This time jumping storytelling. It's an interesting device because we really come up against it quite a bit. It's a lot easier to 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 wrap your head around, I think, when you're reading a physical copy of yeah, a book. Yeah, yeah. You can flip back and reference that page and be like, "What year are we in?" Yeah, and you yeah. can see it, a timeline right in front of you. You know, versus when you're just in the middle of an audiobook, you're like, "What?" Because you don't want to lose your place. Who got off the plane? <laughs> <laughs> what year are we in? Yeah. Well, okay then. So. Thank you for joining us for right, the discussion thing. on it, I mean, The Vanishing I, I would be interested in reading more books from her. Well, I, I did start this other book that came before. So this was her second book. Mm-hmm. The first one is called The Mothers. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that. But I'm, I'm only like in the first cha- couple chapters. So I just started that. And I am starting to get physical copies. The problem is I just don't have the patience to – a lot of times I have to wait to order it or wait for it to come in. And I'm like, I just want to start reading it or just listening to it now. So I get halfway through a book. Before the copy, I actually get a physical copy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I am starting to try to wait until I have a copy in my hand. Because you're right, being able to flip through and at least find your place yeah. and make notes, it's it makes it's super, life easier for a book. It like does this in the scope of years. Audition this. It's your turn next, Katie. But uh-huh. I just came across a well-recommended book that's only 19 hours and 35 minutes. Oh gosh, only, only. yeah, no, only okay, 19 fine. hours. Fine. I mean, you could. Well, how long was Grapes of Wrath? Grapes of Wrath was only like 12. No, it was longer than that. It was way longer. It (laughs) It felt like many more. I get it. It was 20 years worth of listening. Yeah, right? At at five times speed. It's not 
whatever I said. Oh, no, it's more. It's 21 hours. See, I'm telling <laughs> you, you flipped your uh, digits there. 12 hours. It was an honest, foot. An honest uh, error. <laughs> um, oh, also, maybe I remember that way because I was listening to it on double speed at some <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took me a... Uh, that was trip was a long to book. get that book finished yeah. <laughs> but i'm glad we can mark it off our literary i'm glad i read it list. i'm glad yeah. i read it yeah. i just complained a lot in the process <laughs> um there's I, it's something interesting i was thinking about because I'm, re- I'm i'm almost done with the odyssey and it's interesting um i'm probably enjoying it more because we read cersei <laughs> uh-huh yeah probably <laughs> but there's something like almost dutiful about reading mm. an old book you mm-hmm. know that's mm-hmm. part of that that so many other works have sure built off of or referenced it's 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 like it probably up. feels very satisfying well it's or it's just showing up to be like and then this happened and then this happened and then the world was made you know yeah. it's like yeah da, 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 da. Uh, so there's almost like a little it's not that exciting. <laughs> I'm enjoying the Odyssey, but it's not that exciting. What else have you been reading? Anybody? Uh, I started the Song of Achilles, which uh-huh. is uh, Madeline Miller's first book. And um, I got pretty far into that. And I was like, stop it. You're never going to finish the Odyssey. <laughs> Go back and finish the Odyssey. Uh, but it, I think it's going to stand up as well as, as Cersei. So if you nice. guys enjoyed her. Um, but that is about all I did. Okay. Um, I reread a couple books because oh. I thought I'd go back and um, I did a couple of the, I, it was the Alice in Wonderland series I talked about oh, this yeah, last yeah, time. You did. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I was starting. Well, yeah. So A Blade So Black and A Dream So Dark. That was really good. But I am reading a book called Coffee Land and it is really good. I'm going to see, like, give me a moment to try to find the... Um, what was the second one? A blade so black and what? A dream so dark. Mm-hmm. It's really good, really, really good. Highly. Oh, let me get the author's name of that. That is by L. L. McKinney. Um, really good. I just, I just want more. Um, and then I am reading a book that I did get. Um, the heart, the paperback version of it from Timber Books mm-hmm. that came in. I've been. It's called, so Coffee Land, One Man's Dark Empire and the Making of Our Favorite Drug by Augustine Sedgwick. Um, it's nonfiction, but it is really good. I mean, it talks about like, did you know that some of the first beans are from islands called Mocha and Java? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are real places. I, I, knew, Java I knew Java was, was but Mocha, M-O-K-A. <laughs> I did not, I did not um, that. And that the, it's about the, like... The beginnings of the coffee plantation. At some in some places, coffee was traded like mo- as a monetary thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even um, the treatment of workers in the beginning, even how freeze dried coffee that the the main person is I forget his name, but is Folgers? Hill oh, Hill okay. Folgers comes later. Oh. Not related to Hills Brothers, which is another coffee. They were coffee um, and other. They were like merchants in California. A lot of this is connected to California too. So it's, it's just really, really interesting, even from the making of it, the drying of it. At some point there were so many coffee plantations that he figured that he could keep the workers on the plantation by creating kitchens off of the fields so that if he provided food for their, that the, he could get the ch- children's labor into there. But even how um, the chemistry of coffee and, okay, Post and Kellogg, 
I don't know if you knew this, but the Kellogg that we think of cereal, he wasn't into cereal at first. He was into sanitariums. Yep. Oh, I knew um, that. Yeah. He's a weirdo. Very, oh, yeah. yeah. And so is Post. It's yeah. like he makes me Both think of, of breakfast feel, cereal very differently. Yes. But so there's all these interconnected things going on. Um, anyway, Coffee Land. I highly recommend it. I um, So. Um, I read a cute little romance novel. Actually, did I tell talk about the terrible one I read last time? I think so. Okay. Like you kept hoping it would get better. Yeah, it was stupid. And no, well, no, maybe I didn't talk about it because I, I think it's within within the last month. But I read one that I'm not going to mention because I don't remember the name of it. But it was terrible. But I finished it, <laughs> and then I started. It was like a um a series, and I was like, well, maybe I'll start the second one. It was terrible. So I <laughs> I didn't go any farther. I'm like, no, I'm, I was like, maybe it'll be better. It wasn't. Um, and then I read this one called Love Lists and Fancy Ships by Sarah <laughs> Grunder Ruiz, which was actually very enjoyable. And I really liked it. And I thought it was pretty well done. And it was also a little heavier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I was like, oh, this is, you know, a light, cute summer. Tell me the name Love Lists, like I made a list. Yep, and Fancy Ships. Um, very much enjoyed it. Um, it was, I actually, I read that one like with my eyeballs, not my ears. Um, and I, and I liked that one. Um, and then I have, I'm about halfway through one called if the shoe fits. Um, and it's a meant to be novel. Like that's, it's a series of novels and this is by Julie Murphy and it is a meant to be novel they are sort of collaborations with Disney and they're um, like romance novels inspired by or retellings of like classic oh. Disney movies. So if the oh. shoe fits is like a retelling it's of Cinderella, Cinderella. Oh, and then there's one called a uh, book Oh, something about books. I can't remember. I haven't read that by one yet, book? but by the book. And that is by one of my you favorites. Um, uh, Jasmine Guillory. She's fantastic. She wrote that one and that's like inspired by beauty and the beast. So I was like, and they're very cute and, you know, very sweet. I will say the narrator of this book, the If the Shoe Fits, is so obnoxious, but I'm enjoying it <laughs> enough that I'm going to power through. But she really wanted to be an actress <laughs> or like oh. she she must be because her uh, voice work is very expressive. Um, By the books that the narrator, that one sounds familiar, Sarah Hollis. Oh, I don't know. Oh, she does sound familiar. Um. But yeah, it's it's very cute. I'm I'm gonna finish it. All right, that's a premise I could get into. It's it's very cutesy. Um, and so far, it, because it's a Disney collaboration, they're very clean. Mm. You know, so I think it's 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 fine. But so, well, you know, if they start off my two favorites, Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella. I wanted to favorites. read the Beauty and the Beast one because that is my favorite. But Cloud yeah. Library only had this one available, ah. and I'm trying not to pay for any books if I can help it. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine. Maybe as a treat. Yes. There. Achieve I have goal. a hold on it, so maybe eventually it'll come in, and then mm-hmm. I can listen to or read that one too. Um, but that is; those are my books. That's pretty good. I um, have one more, but I'll go last. I know you're, you're done. Oh, yeah, I haven't finished. I you are last. <laughs> okay, I got this one. I forgot. It's it's in the genre of Afrofuturism, but it's really good. It's called Nor N O O R by um, I hope I don't butcher the name Enedi Okofora Oko. I can't. It's O-K-O-R-A-F-O-R. I don't want to butcher okay. her name. I, I wrote it down. Um, it's about a young disabled woman named um, Anwuli 
another name I don't want it. Who goes by the code name AO, which means autobionic organism. This is a, a plug for audiobooks because you wouldn't have to do any of the work of right. learning how to pronounce it. The reader would tell you. I how to know. I, and the thing is, I heard it on audiobook. I read. I listened to it on audiobooks. But she, it's a futuristic Nigeria where advanced technology has enabled her to upgrade. Um, unformed or weakened body parts with cybernetic prosthetics created by the mega corporation Ultimate Core. Um, and so to the north, a great sandstone called the Red Eye blows perpetually. Something happens and she has to flee and it's kind of break breaking down the system. So it's this futuristic, if you're into sci-fi kind of futuristic stuff. But also it's a person that she spent the early part of her childhood bedridden and but for a reason that she found out later, but she started replacing these parts with more so that she became more, you know, more cybernetic uh -huh. than human, but it's very interesting. She finds love. Well, Cute. before I, um, start whatever you've selected for us, Katie, yeah. I, I might have to do some Christmas in July listening because uh -huh. I downloaded all these like Christmas yeah, Christmas-themed novels when I was like, oh, this is a fun thing to listen to in December. Uh -huh. They're all expiring in July. Oh, Because <laughs> they oh. were freebies from Yeah, Audible. from Audible. <laughs> um, you well, didn't get to download them and keep them? Or they take them off? Not the free ones. Yeah, yeah you didn't pay it's for sort them. of like Netflix where it's like, you know, our licensing agreement's only for so long. Right. Um, so next month, I chose Lessons in Chemistry. Um Yay. Oh, good. Okay. Um, that was recommended by someone. I don't... Yeah, one of our regulars, thank you, Xenia, for recommending it. And also, um, Arlene read it and gave it a glowing review mm -hmm. as well. Same. So, shout out to both of y'all. <laughs> um, I need to pull up the um, name of the author, but I have the uh, blurb in front of me. So It's Bonnie Garmus. Thank you. Um, lessons in Chemistry. So, chemist Elizabeth Zott is not your average woman. In fact, Elizabeth Zott would be the first to point out that there is no such thing as an average woman. But it's the early 1960s and her all-male team at Hastings Research Institute takes a very unscientific view of equality. Except for one, Calvin Evans, the lonely, brilliant, Nobel Prize-nominated uh, grudge holder who falls in love with, of all things, her mind. True chemistry <laughs> results, but like science, life is unpredictable, which is why a few years later, Elizabeth Zott finds herself not only a single mother, but the reluctant star of America's most loved cooking show, Supper at Six. <laughs> Elizabeth's usual approach to cooking, combine one tablespoon acetic acid with a pinch of sodium chloride, proves revolutionary, but as her following grows, not everyone is happy. Because it turns out, Elizabeth Zott is not just teaching women to cook, she's daring them to change the status quo. Um... And I thought that that sounded like something that, that I could awesome. get into. It sounds like Julia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this sounds great. So I'm, I'm in. that was an easy choice. I was like, okay, that's what we're reading. Yeah. When I heard oh, it. that's awesome. Um, so yeah, lessons in chemistry. And we will talk about that in the middle of August. So uh, we'll see you guys then. And in two weeks from now, we'll have our regular podcast episode out. So make sure you come back for that. Um, but we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Happy reading. Strings Unraveled is a production of Strings and Things Studio with Anne Lecrevin Cazzoli, Katie Von Rader Fraker, and Karen Wilmoth. Recorded and edited by Katie Von Rader Fraker. Find us online at stringsandthingsstudio.com or on Facebook or Instagram at stringsandthingsstudio. You can email us at stringsandthingsinfo at gmail.com.